Hey guys, this is Alex again. I uh, just wanted to share with you guys a interview or conversation that I had with a member of the DMTWorld.net site. His name is Psychodelics. Um, basically, he um, his story is, is one of healing. Um, he shared his journey in overcoming a, a past trauma that stemmed from childhood. Uh, had a little bit of a breaking point and then, you know, he um, began his journey in psychedelics and um, shared with us some of his few outstanding sessions that he had with ayahuasca and um, hopefully you guys enjoy this I, I talked to him and, I, and to be honest with you I, I thanked him for sharing because uh, he's got a powerful message in there you know he truly is as an example and I think that um, a lot of people can relate to this who may not be open to talking about it but you know it inspired me you know to, to get back and to track with my mental health as well you know reaching out to therapists or whatnot um you know I, I feel like there's a big part in guidance you know when it comes to using these medicines as you know for for the for the healing properties right um anyhow um he's a father husband son overall good dude i really enjoyed talking to him um and i hope you enjoy Thank you so much for being here. Make sure to keep spreading that love, and we appreciate you. Thank you. When just talking with you, man, it was uh, you were looking for some messages about people who might be uh, pursuing the DMT molecule um, and some of their stories and stuff. And I, I said, I got a story. So, um, and if nothing else, the stories, I hope for other people that are seeking that kind of level of healing that maybe uh, they kind of find some relief out of uh, this molecule. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, I, I guess a little backstory, and I'm obviously this is going to be going pretty uh, private stuff here, um, but um, I, I joined the Navy, and when I was in the Navy, um, I ended up getting sexually assaulted from a guy that was in my division. Oh, jeez. Um, and... Uh, and the sexual assault itself wasn't so much as a, um, it wasn't like rape or anything. It just the guy kind of whipped his dick out and kind of slapped me in the oh. face from behind. Jeez, yeah. Right? I mean, man, that's still not. Kind of in locker room, kind of stupid shit. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and I asked, I told you know, I told him, dude, I'm not fucking cool with that. You know, don't fucking do that again. And, um, of course, he did that shit again. Well, in that moment, between the time he slapped my face with his dick and, and the second time the whole period that happened in there um, I started flashing back because um, starting about the age of three I started being sexually molested by a family member oh shit man for real hot and it, it went from this family member to strangers to babysitters I had as a kid to like I've, I've had a lot of these experiences from age three all the way to about 16 years old now and uh, a quick question on that um did was this something that you still remembered even then or was it something that you just kind of pushed into the back of your head i i, I remembered all of it but i always pushed it back as that was kind of a, a kid thing i could forgive myself i didn't know what the fuck i was yeah. doing didn't know it was long you know but here i am a grown man serving my country in a combat zone 
and and I'm instantly broken. Jeez, Christ. you know, I mean, it 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 inst- I mean, instantly, and and for whatever reason, I had been able to process all those experiences in my life. That moment right there, it it was the straw that broke the camel's back. Jeez, man. And so when he went and slapped me in the face with his dick a second time, I instantly had my knife out. And I mean, I came fucking millimeters from fucking skewering his dick right in the back of the couch I was sitting in. Fuck, man. And um, the the whole division were there. They're seeing. They're all laughing. They all thought the shit was funny until I whipped up my knife and tried stabbing the dude. And they all kind of jumped on me and like wouldn't let me pull my knife out of the couch, go after him again. So the the people that were there, they were part of like your unit or your uh, team. Yeah, yeah. And all my division. We this was in our birthing unit that we were in and. What about like leadership? Was there leadership there? I, I had my 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 uh, direct supervisor. He was sitting there watching the whole fucking thing go down. No shit. L- literally sitting there, fucking shining his boots. Jesus Christ. You know, just letting the boys be boys, kind of thing. And um, yeah. You know, so you know they they were all over me and they wouldn't let me pull my knife out. And so I let go of the knife, but they wouldn't let go of me because I was going after the motherfucker. Yeah. And. Um, and so they weren't letting me go. And he was, the dude was like fucking on the floor on his ass, fucking cowered in the corner. Like he didn't fucking believe the fucking terror he just unleashed. Damn, dude, that's And people, people wouldn't stop getting out of my way. So I started punching them. So I started fucking wailing all by about 15, 20 people. No one was punching me back. Everyone was just trying to hold me back away from him. So they left themselves fucking wide open. And I was taking fucking wide ass shots, popping jaws, fucking busting Ooh. noses hitting them in the teeth. I was fucking wailing. And every time I'd get a foot foot closer, there'd be about four new hands on me pulling me back. And I couldn't get to them. And, and you know, I got to the point of exhaustion and I fucking just broke out of the birthing and ran out. Now, and, uh, birthing, is that like living quarters or is that like a common area? Yeah. Yeah, it's, we were on a ship, you know, and oh, so okay. it, okay. I think our birthing unit could house maybe about 30 people in it. And about half of the people were there watching all the shit go down. Was it like an open so I ran out. situation? No, I mean, we got like, a, geez, a dark building unit. We had six beds in about the size of uh, uh, about six foot long by six foot wide. So it was about six foot by six foot squared. And it'd be three bunks on one side, three bunks on the other. And that, that was for six people that was our whole living space six by six yeah so like in the army they got huts especially like overseas and in each little hut you'll have you know like like same thing little little cots on each side and there's like you know nine or ten guys same thing with like a tent at this at this point in your deployment how how long were you guys out out there already at this point um this is probably about month three. Oh no shit so, how long was the uh, deployment um just under seven months overall okay. All right. So you guys had already spent so, enough time to kind of fuck with each other. Yeah, we, in the military, they do that. I mean, there's shit that happens. Like, yeah. You know, it, it does happen. I'm not saying that it's okay, but you see that shit. Yeah, there's hazing ceremonies and shit yeah. like that. Yeah, I, I get it. But the thing is, though, is nobody whipped their dick no, out before and slapped no, somebody in the face. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of course. And especially with somebody like you who has that that past, you have that trauma in there. Like, I can only fucking imagine that. I don't know what that's like, and I don't have that. But if, I mean, if somebody did that to me, I would be fucking them. I would be punching them in the fucking face. I'd be getting down with them, you know? 
I mean, it, in, I mean, the, the shit that happened to me as a kid went, went more in depth. I don't need to go super sure. deep in it, but for sure, there, there's something called the the ACE, the Adverse Childhood Experiences. There's like ten experiences that they scale people on. Yeah, and I can answer yes to seven of them. No, sh- and of those seven, I can answer yes to them multiple, 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 multiple times. God damn. So, you know, and part of my growth and in going into the Navy and stuff um, was was trying to grow up to be a man because yeah. a lot of these things happen fuck with me you know like trying to define the the definition of when did you lose your virginity yeah. yeah how the fuck do i answer that question yeah you know i gotta lie and tell tell a lie yeah man you know you know what i mean so yeah. these fucking things are you know they they they, they fuck with me as a, as a grown man now thinking sure. about it you know but as a as a child then yeah. I wasn't even fully developed yet to even know how fucked up this shit happened to me. Yeah, or how to deal let with alone, it. Yeah, and let alone carrying the shame of 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 allowing this to happen and, and stuff. You know what I mean? It was yeah. there's a lot of fucked up things. So anyways, so this shit went down. I ran out of the birthing. Um I, I went right to the chaplain's office. I was like, do I I'm thinking I might kill myself. I mean, I don't know what the fuck happened. You know what I mean? I'm out of my fucking mind. And um, and I'm married at this time. I'm, I married my wife um, two years out of high school. We were high school sweethearts and shit. Wow. And I'm still married to her. We've been over 20 years we've been married now. So we've got three kids. Nothing crazy's ever happened to any of them. You know, I mean, we've been so blessed with the life I've been able to have as a grown person. But yeah. as my childhood, though, that wasn't the case. Um, I mean, weird shit. We were, yeah. I, I mean, we we were in a motorcycle gang, not a gang. I'm in a motorcycle club, but a really well-known one that I'm not going to say out loud. But um, those fucking motorcycle clubs are fucking crazy people, man. And and um, they they do some crazy shit, especially with drugs and guns. And you know, I, I saw that as a kid growing up. So yeah. But anyway, so I'm going to the chaplain's office and banging on his door. And nobody's there. And, and right across from his door is the command master chief. So he's the highest ranking enlisted person on the ship. Okay. Yeah. So, boom, I'm banging on his door next. And um, nobody's answering their doors. But as I turn around, one of the guys from the birthing unit is like peeking around the corner, like watching what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. So he sees me banging on the chaplain's door in the command master chief's door. And as soon as he sees me, he fucking bolts off and goes running. So now I'm thinking, oh fuck! Now that now they think I'm snitching about this yeah. shit. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, you know, stupid, irrational, fucking mindset is, I gotta go hide on the ship yeah. so no one can find me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I know exactly what that's like, man. So, so I, I ran to the very front of the ship and straight fucking down to the very very bottom bowels of the ship, and I stayed hidden in there for three days. Um, I, I mean, I shit down there. I pissed down there. I slept down there three days. I, I snuck up in the middle of the night to get to the, uh, the gallery because there would be like apples and oranges yeah. and peanut butter, jelly bread and shit like that. So I could make yeah. myself some deep and I'd fucking pack some shit and I'd go straight fucking down there and I'd be disappeared again. Jesus Christ. And, uh, was and, uh, panic or anything while you were gone? No, that's, and that's the shit that fucking really fucked with me because, there's no man overboard drills. Yeah. No, no, no searching the ship for, for this missing sailor on the fucking yep. ship. Yeah. Every mountain. You know, and that, that, oh man, that, that's, 
one of the things that really fucked with me a long time. So, but about that third day though, it kind of clicked on me like, man, I'm going to get fucking trouble. Like bad trouble. If I don't fucking start yeah. showing my face and get back to work. Right. Yeah. And I did. I mean, I fell right in line, <laughs> went right back to my watches and shit. And nobody said shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then, but then it would be like certain people walk by me and they would be having a conversation amongst themselves but the conversation would switch to, hey, you know what we do with problems, right? Uh, we throw that shit overboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So they would always say this shit within earshot of me and everything. And I, would, and I was already fucking paranoid. Like like that schism, that broken part of me had fucking twisted. And Damn. I was going sideways and super paranoid that everyone was out to get me. And, well, they, they end up, I mean, there might have been some retaliation because they ended up putting me on a watch called the aft lookout. This is the uh, look, the watch on the back of a ship that's um, yeah. ultimately the, the role of the job is in case somebody fucking falls overboard. This is the last person that's going to be able to hear you yell help. Oh, no shit. Wow. <laughs> right? Yeah, so they were sending so they, they they, signs, right? Right. So Yeah. So um, the watch was six hours on, six hours off, six hours on, six hours off for 32 days straight. Fuck. Um, and there's a five watch rotation. So you're never like getting complacent being on one watch station too long. But for those 32 days straight, for the six on that I was on, I was on that aft lookout watch. I never got to rotate. Jesus. And so the, the balls to six watch, the midnight to 6 a.m. watch, about 3 a.m. I mean, I I gotta admit, dude, there was some cool shit that happened on that watch. Oh, I mean, yeah. one time, <laughs> yeah, one time these flying fish started flying over the ship. What? I mean, it's pitch black, right? It's a yeah. darkened ship, so you, you don't get to see shit. And all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, something fucking nails me in the fucking head. <laughs> and, and I'm looking, you know, by the moonlight, trying to fucking see what it is. And it's these big ass fucking flying ships. And there's like a thousand of them jumping over yeah. the ship, dude. It was. I mean, there was some cool shit, you know. Were they they landing, like, on the ship where you were at? Some of them, but most of them were flying right over, like, it was... Wow, that's crazy. You know? I mean, I had to take cover and shit, because there was probably still about 100 of them hit the deck of the ship. And and when it got done, I was out there all night long, fucking throwing them overboard, flipping them off overboard and shit. (laughs) You know what's crazy is the things that you see, especially when you're by yourself, because you're watching a lot of your environment when you're deployed or, you know, in the service in these different parts of the world is you have these little tiny, you know, golden nuggets that you remember like that, like that there is something that, you know, like most people will never know what that's like, you know, it's just like that moment in time you see, you have this, you know, thing that you're, you're witnessing. It's just you, you know, that's crazy. I mean, if you're on a ship like that, you'll get kind of bored of dolphins following the ship. I mean, it's cool when you first see them and stuff, but I tell you what, when it's pitch black outside and the ocean water is a bioluminescence. And so when they're fucking diving in the water, the water is fucking glowing from them disturbing the water and shit. It was, so anyways, there's some cool shits on those night watches and stuff. But one night I'm fucking sitting there. Well, the the whole time I was kind of sketch. I, I saw some fucking writing on the wall that what they were saying to me, and now I'm on this ass lookout. So it started kind of building the shit in my head that someone was going to maybe throw me overboard. Yeah, some so retaliation or something, right? Right. You know, so I had set up the life ring, and, and it's got like a water-activated flash strobe light. So as soon as it fucking hits the water, it starts strobing. And when you've got a darkened ship and it's pitch black outside and you get a strobe like that, dude, you can fucking see it like nobody's business. 
that's all I had figured if someone was going to throw my ass overboard, I kind of always at watch, I'd set it up where if someone was going to fucking attack me, I was grabbing that motherfucker and it was going over with me. No shit. You know? Yeah. So anyway, one night fucking sitting there, um, two guys from the division, they end up having night vision goggles and were able to sneak up on me. And uh, there's about a, a platform that was maybe a foot taller than I was where they, they came up and they literally just jumped off the platform right on top of me. What? And, uh, and I mean, I fucking no trying to fight them or anything, man. All my energy and focus was grabbing that fucking life ring. I mean, and when I got a hold of that fucking life ring, it was a death grip. Those motherfuckers could throw me overboard all they wanted, but they were not going to get this fucking life ring out of my arms. And they saw me fucking just fucking out. I wasn't screaming. I wasn't fucking fighting them. I mean, I was just, boom, pure terrified. And they were like, oh, man, we're just fucking with you, dude. You know, da, 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 da. They oh, thought it was a joke. Nah, that's no joke. You know, but I thought I was dying, dude. I thought I was literally going to be going over in the middle of the ocean, and I was yeah. going to be there. That was going to be my end of days. You were fighting for your fucking life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Damn, man. That's nuts. Jeez. Deployment's over. Um, you know, try to get a normal life and shit. You know, but I never dealt with this. I never talked to a therapist. I never, you know, didn't even, even talk to my wife. And one of those things of, you know, you come back from deployment and, and you, the person that knows you the most comes back and tells you you're different. My wife was saying I was different. You know, she, she yeah. knows right away coming back from that deployment. Yeah, I mean, I, I know what, exactly what that's like, but I mean, even yourself sometimes, you know, uh, yeah. sometimes it'll take time for you to realize. And by that time, it's usually shit's already hit the fan, but you you can tell that you you won't never be the same no matter and, what. But I mean, the situation is so much more exacerbated i mean I, I can't even imagine that to be honest you know that's uh something else i mean i tried explaining it to her you know but you know the the you know the guy slapping his dick on my face you know that was kind of like oh boys are being boy and it was like instantly i couldn't like at that time trust her to share any more after that yeah because to hers it was just boys being boys you know well so let so, me ask you uh do you mind sharing like around which time uh this was like in terms of years for decades? Um, this was uh, uh, just right before 9-11. Oh, okay. Not too long ago, no. Not too long ago, no. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so anyways, uh, you know, fast forward, I, I ended up having a good military career. You know, um, actually that deployment, I ended up getting um, injured. I fucking knocked myself out and fell down a ladder well and it jacked up my, my back and I re-enlisted. They allowed me to re-enlist, but they really shouldn't have because I was almost instantly in the physical evaluation board for the last four years of my career. Yeah, um, that's a lot, right? So, uh, ladder, ladder accidents. I mean, I know like even in Afghanistan, there was a lot of uh, ladder accidents because they were using these old ass fucking, you know, 50 year old ladders up there. But I'm guessing even like in a ship where there's, I'm sure there's a lot of ladders and stuff. Well, Right. I mean, all honesty, I swear the fucking a, a Japanese man, short five foot five person, built these fucking ships. <laughs> so if you're six foot two, dude, yeah. you're hitting your head on fucking That's everything. <laughs> you know, you're hitting your head on everything. Fuck, and so man. you know, so going down a, a hatch, you know, you know the little fucking wheel hatch there. That's just a little bit lower than what you think it is. You misguide that fucker, and you're you're taking meat off your head. You know, so. Damn. 
thing was they jacked me up. I ended up getting released from the Navy. They wouldn't allow me to reenlist. They forced me out because of my injuries and stuff. Um, ultimately, the um, I followed a service connection disability. I got awarded 60% right away. Good, good, man. Um, good. You know, um, and and so that that was really helpful and stuff. But I I hadn't dealt with the trauma. And then the problem is, is that right before I got out of the Navy, I mean, I, I can look and reflect on this now, but, you know, I was working, I was basically director of my whole entire division. So, oh, you know, I was working 60 hours a week. Yeah. Just, and I was the ready alert guy. So if there was some kind of aircraft mishap or something, I was the dude at two o'clock in the morning to get the call to show up and take care of shit, you know? Yeah. So, and um, I was a full-time student working on my master's degree. And I was restoring a 1962 Chevy Impala, and I just had a brand new baby, my first child. No shit. You know, I I kept myself so fucking yep. busy. Yep. Yep. That none of the shit that was really fucking with me in the background could even even get a foothold to to even take my 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 attention. Can I ask? But you when I get question? out of the Navy, yeah. A quick question about that, and, and the only reason I'm asking a lot of questions, too, is because I myself am a veteran as well, and uh, although it may not have been the same, um, you know, thing that you went through, you know, I went through my own stuff, too, and, and because of it, you know, suffered some issues, but do you think that, like, and I've seen it, but I don't know if we do it knowingly or if it's just, like, our subconsciousness that, like, we don't want to face the trauma, so what we do is we just get busy. We get busy, and we get it's to the coping control. mechanism. Yeah, is that what it is? Yeah. Coping yeah, that's right. Do you think though you that, know? is that something that's just like natural? Like is it is it just within us that we do or or, or what is it? I mean I I, for I me, mean I, don't know. I mean not only that in distracting ourselves, we do it with alcohol. Like yeah, you know, how many brothers and sisters do you know that drown themselves in that oh, yeah. poison? Oh you yeah. know? Yeah. So Fuck um what you know break out the laundry list of drugs yeah. and other things that they're yeah. using to distract themselves. And it's all to, to heal pain. That's, that's all addiction or, is or, anyway. Or to, to kill yourself. Yeah. Or to kill yourself, man. Like just slowly yeah. to kill yourself. Yeah. No, well, there's survivor's guilt, you know, and shit. Yeah. Like why, why do, yeah. you know, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't a grunt like you and dodge bullets and shit, uh -huh. but you know, when, when you are around someone who loses their life in a sense yeah. loss, yeah. and then you can't make sense of that. You go, why am I surviving? And they yeah. didn't, you know? And yeah, Dude, I totally get it all, you know. I mean, uh -huh. that's that's what happens. That's why the shit gets so hard for us, you know. And and then going to a VA doctor or something like that and they're a fucking civilian, what? You're you're just you're completing your internship for your four year degree? Like what? Yeah. Yeah, you're the one who's I'm the one who you're the one who I get to fucking tell and share my fucking story to yeah. and you're gonna tell me how I can get better and cope with this shit. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, I know the VA is doing their, their best they can, but they can't be hiring these fucking kids to be no. these interns to work with these vets, man, you know, and so anyways, the, um, so at this time, yeah, I, you know, your story, hopping all over. <laughs> no, I hear you, man, I'm, but I'm going to bring it back here at this time in the story. Um, how do you already, you've already gotten out of the, the service, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. And then you were, I, I, and I hadn't, I hadn't recognized it as PTSD. Uh -huh. I mean, my 60% service connect was all just my physical injuries. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. Um, and so, so I, I, I never thought about PTSD or anything, even though my dad, he, he's a Vietnam vet and he's a hundred percent disabled with PTSD, oh, but I wasn't shot at. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, yeah. 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 you know, I mean, other than that, that moment of, I thought that they were going to get me or something like that. But I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't getting shot at, you know, and I wasn't taking yeah. other people's lives and you know what I mean? So, and that was different. That was how my dad's shit was fucked up for him, you know? And so, um, you know, wrapped up my master's degree. I'm out of the Navy. Um, I was unemployed for 10 months. I couldn't find a job. When you get a master's degree, it doesn't immediately mean you get a fucking good job. So <laughs> for real, you, you know, <laughs> yeah, for real. Unfortunately. Um, <laughs> and so anyways, I mean, the idle hands is a devil's workshop. Yeah. Right. Yes, it is. I didn't have those distractions anymore. So this, what they call delayed onset post-traumatic stress the onset of it didn't really start coming into play until later on. And then nightmares. Uh, I was always having a nightmare. One of my most frequent nightmares was just floating in the ocean. Nice. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm a fucking awesome swimmer, dude. I mean, I, I can swim two miles in the water and come out and I'd be able to give you my resting heart, heart rate in about two minutes. Nice. I mean, I, I, I'm a fucking monster in the ocean. So, that's fucking worse for someone who's stuck in the oceans. That means they're going to survive longer. You know, it's yeah. one thing to die of hypothermia in five minutes in ice cold water, but if you know how to fucking move in the water and keep yourself alive in that shit, yep. you're going to suffer even longer. And that's how those fucking nightmares went. I suffered and suffered and suffered. Um, every fucking scenario, I got the dude's dick with my knife. I got, I stabbed him in the fucking throat. I mean, I you know, every fucking possible nightmare scenario of how all those those situations but it was always about this dude and me being attacked on the ship and always being chased and it, it was my nightmares never really came up about my childhood experience yeah i was just gonna ask and it was always it was always focused on this military experience that that happened and of course what happened to me as a kid happened was way worse and more tragic yeah yeah for any soul compared to what happened to me in the navy but dude all my focus and energy so you know, I mean, almost lost my wife at that point right there in our relationship, but I, I promised I'd go to therapy. And so I just yep. went to therapy. First fucking appointment, the VA doctor admitted to the VA shrink that I smoke weed. Right. And, uh, you know, I said, it's helping me. I mean, I, I started smoking weed this fucking second I was out of the Navy and, you know, I fucking like it, you know, and I don't want to stop it. And I got a medical marijuana card, so go fuck yourself. Right. And, um, the uh, therapist instantly uh, reported me to Child Protective Services because what? my youngest child was under the age of one at the time. So a child under the age of one and someone who's smoking weed in the house, I get called Child Protective Services. Yep. They had to come to my house. They had to come walk around my house, see where my kids lived. I went and fucking took them to the garage where my shit's under lock and key to show them where my fucking weed is at. They go, look, the kids don't have no access to this shit. It's locked up. They're not allowed out here. You know, and then they were like, yeah, we're not worried about it. Uh, fuck, we're used to seeing people with crack pipes and shit. And da-da-da-da-da. And dog shit in the corner of the bedroom that no one cleans up. And What the fuck, Dave? You know, and I'm like, fucking very first appointment that fucking VA shrink. So I was like, fuck the VA, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. And then um, I made some good friends um, that told me about the Veterans Outreach Centers and mm -hmm. how that they were different than the VA. Yep. You know, and I'll be like, all right, whatever, I'll go try this out. And um, and they end up having a military sexual trauma therapist there. So so I was able to start working through some of this shit. And um, the 
trauma therapist wanted to go to my childhood shit. And I'm like, no, but see, my childhood shit ain't bothering me. It's this shit that's bothering me. These are the nightmares I'm having. I want to work through this shit so I don't have to deal with this anymore, you know? And so I kind of gave up on her. And I ended up, like, hopping around about seven different therapists uh, between the vet center and, um, you know, I ended up getting a job, so I ended up getting insurance. So I started paying for my own private therapist on the side and shit. And um, EMDR, fucking prolonged exposure, carbon processing therapy, tried like three different fucking kinds of antidepressant pills. And all they did was literally fucking just drive suicidal thoughts into my head. Yeah. yeah. I like not driving down the road, like that's a fucking tree. I could drive off this fucker and land in the water and no one would find the car for, you know, weeks. You know, I mean, yeah. Just constantly just in and not so much planning but just instant like just fucking do it now and just quit burdening your family and just really fucking dark thoughts and shit uh-huh. and so so I, I told fuck off on the pills and almost immediately those suicidal thoughts stopped coming into my head when i stopped really? taking the drugs wow. so i was like well i'm not taking those fucking drugs they keep wanting to offer me hey, have you tried this i'm like yeah that's the last one i tried killing myself on you dick you know, so, <laughs> so, um, so I, you know, I, I don't take the medication. I'm so now I'm complex PTSD, non-resistant, depressive resistant. Yeah, they got all these fucking titles and shit out of the DSM for me. Um, but I learned some good techniques on how to calm myself. I mean, I used to have panic attacks and now I can go through four square breathing exercises and shit. Huh. I, I, I learned how to meditate um, I got to participate in some Native American sweat lodges. Um, so I, I learned how you can actually purge other than puking. I mean, you can purge out your pores. I mean, so I, I started learning some of this stuff, and, and that's what kind of led me to, well, I like smoking pot. And then, you know, if you like reading pot, you know, articles and news things, and that's the kind of shit you're focused on, it's natural that psilocybin mushrooms start coming into the conversation yeah. a little bit. Yep. And uh, and I had mushrooms when I was in high school and shit, and I thought they were fun, but I never thought of them as any kind of ceremonial um, or medicine or none of that. None of that stuff came came to mind with me, and so um, so looking at that stuff, um, and then pretty soon that swings to um, they actually swung to Aya Hauska mm-hmm. before it swung to DMT for me. Um, and start looking at the plant medicines. Um, like my dad, I mean, I, I'm not a, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself an addict, um, but I, I have a high resistance to, to wanting to be around drugs. I saw so much of it as a kid. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so the drug, the cocaine, I mean, I don't want, really, it doesn't appeal to me one fucking bit. Mm. And I've been around it. I mean, I've been to parties where people are snorting lines or some shit. Yeah. I'm not like, I want to leave. No, I, I'm just like, whatever. You got your life. That's what you want to do. Those yeah. are your choices, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, but but for me, that's not something I want to ever put in my body. But it's different when it's a plant, you know? Um, regardless of how your religious views are and stuff, I mean, it's growing right out of the ground. Exactly. Mother Nature made this thing work for a reason. And yep. Wouldn't you fucking know it? Our, our body has receptors for yep. cannabinoids. <laughs> Yes, you know, like, why does our body have these fucking exactly. things that we're not supposed to interact with? It's almost like you found you know? a fucking key. Yeah, it's a key to your brain or something, right? So, so these are the kind of mysteries I started unraveling. Um, and then I discovered Joe Rogan experience. Oh. 
maybe like a decade after he started his podcast. And so um, I ended up starting this whole podcast from fucking episode one. Oh, no shit. <laughs> and, and I'm still, I'm not still not even fucking caught up, but so many people like Yan Irvin and, and, you know, who the fuck was Dennis McKenna before I watched Joe Rogan? I have right. no idea. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So, and obviously you run into Aubrey Marcus and things yeah. like that. And these guys are talking about their experiences and stuff. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. This guy's talking about a lot of pain and shit. And I experienced yeah. a lot of pain, Yeah. you know, and, and that, and then I, I discovered this uh, program called the Heroic Heroes Project. I've heard um, of that, man. I've actually heard of that yeah. last year. Somebody uh, suggested them to me. Yeah. That's crazy. Huh. So, so I, I got in touch with them mm-hmm. and I gave them my story, told them what was up. And uh, they said, they ended up getting a hold of me and, and uh, they said that they were at, uh, funding a trip down to Peru and they wanted me to go. Um, would I be interested in going? And I, I said, sure. I, I said, but, you know, I don't feel safe. I don't feel like I can go by myself. Yeah. And so, well, you mentioned your brother had PTSD too. How about your dad go with you? And you got two vets with PTSD, father and son that come down. Oh, really? And I was like, I was like fuck, that's cool. He says, uh, but the way we're funding this and everything is, is that we've got a producer that wants to film a documentary for Netflix. Oh, really? And we, we like, you know, there's going to be you and quite a few other veterans that are going to be there and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we were all signed up. Of course, in, you know, my fucking logic, I never ran any of this by my wife, you know, <laughs> he didn't check to see if this was even thing remotely that she was okay yeah. with. You're like, all you right, know? guys, I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> oh, yeah, shit, so, man. Yeah. So I've been talking about this, and my wife, you know, you know, she's she's super protective of me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, she, she knows everything about, I've told her everything, all the dirt. Uh, and um but she didn't know that when we were first together and that wasn't very fair to her that yeah. i didn't share those things as a partner to her you know and there was some you know there was some backlash because of that too yep for sure um Dan. you know but uh anyways can i ask you a quick question about the, we... uh the the beginning there uh in terms yeah. of the psilocybin and all this how long after um when you uh, were got out of the military, did you um, get to that point um, where you started dabbling in psychedelics or looking or researching? Oh, I, I just researching. I haven't. I, I had no access. Oh, okay. Where where do I get a hookup for some mushrooms? Uh, I you know? understand. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you know, you don't know where to go. <laughs> so did you? you know, uh, I, did you experience psilocybin prior to uh, this uh, planning out this trip here? Um, only in high school. Oh, I see. Right before the Navy. Okay. okay. Yeah. So you just kind of yeah, so. got to the point where you were researching, and then you found this organization, right? Right. And okay. I'm, I'm, there's some desperation here for trying to find some relief too. For sure. For sure. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm, not, I'm sleeping maybe four hours a night. I have five, six nightmares a week. There's like uh-huh. normally a night that doesn't go by that I'm waking up uh-huh. in a cold sweat, fucking in pure nightmare, yeah. heart racing and shit. You know, and there ain't no going back to sleep after something like that. Oh, no. You know? No. So, you know, destroying my relationships with my family, you know, my my kids, you know, I mean, at least they had a father and stuff. My kid, my dad was really absent in my life, you know, and so I always kind of held that. At least they have had a dad, but even though I was present, it wasn't present, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
so anyways, about two weeks before we left, my wife basically put her foot down and she said, you're not fucking going. Otherwise we're done. Huh. I don't feel comfortable with this, you know, and, and I love my wife. And, yeah. um, and so I, I, I regretfully called that organization and, and backed out two weeks from flight. So the, that sucked because you know, there's no way they're going to find an alternate to take that seat, you know, so yeah. that, that group lost money out of it. And I, I feel like shit. And, and they're not mad at me or nothing no, like no, that. I'm sure, honestly, not. I'm sure they understand. They're, they're totally good people and stuff, and they're doing the right thing with that organization. But, I mean, I really did feel like shit that I, I had to back out. And, and oh, man, the producers, they called me, and they said, hey, man, we, we decided we want to make this whole documentary about you and your dad. There's just, no, you know, there's a story between two vets with 100% PTSD, father and son, two totally different stories on how they got their PTSD. And they so wanted to do this whole documentary around my dad and I, and, Really? I had to tell him no. You know, I had, I had to say I can't do it. You know, I'm sorry. My my family, my kids are coming to me saying they're not comfortable with this. They don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Going down to fucking Peru to take some fucking, you know what I mean? I mean, it didn't make sense to them. Did they know anything you know? about oh, ayahuasca? Did your family and your wife? I, I did, but you know, it, it's a different matter of perspective. If I search oh. out ayahuasca, I was searching out what are the benefits. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. And my wife's saying, what are the dangers of? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So yeah. You get totally different results. Exactly. You know, and here she, she's reading about how dark spirits can take over and manifest and, you know, and she, yeah. she comes from a very religious family and shit. Okay. So she's like, well, you're opening yourself up to the devil and fucking exactly. demons and shit. Yeah. It makes right. Sense. So she's freaked out, you know, and, and I get that now, but I didn't give a shit thing. Cause I was like, I'm either doing this or I'm going to kill myself. Exactly. You know, yeah. I was like, I, I mean, these are the things that were kind of going through my head. And, and you know, damn, I, you know, I, I got kids that, that rely on me. I mean, I was at this point of desperation. I didn't want to kill myself, but I didn't want to live like this anymore. You know, and uh, so I didn't go. I didn't make anything better. Um, our Our relationship went pretty dark at this point um my dad did follow through with the uh the ceremony he went down there he's part of the the documentary it hasn't been released yet um it's going to be called ayahuasca now um and anyways i think i've been doing like marketing for it, ayahuasca now um th there's been I, I know that they're trying to uh do something in sales but i don't know what the fuck okay. they're doing I, okay. my, my dad barely even hears any information about it so when for it gets some, released it's going to be released for some reason i i feel like i've heard that name or that title before yeah you, you might be able to find something on there uh, oh. i saw like a little bit of, of it they, i think they even got a website and shit oh, okay and, okay you know but um, are they related to they um heroic heroes in any way or they, they were just like along for the um, I, I think Heroic Heroes, might, I think they're the ones that brought all the participants for the documentary. So, oh, okay. Um, but, right, Heroic so Heroes, that, that pretty... but Heroic Heroes still does this throughout the year, right? I mean, they're constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not even got to do a documentary thing. Exactly. You're just one of the first people to go down there and experience okay. this, I guess. Okay. Um, and, uh, well, I, I wasn't there, so I don't know what the fuck, right? So, <laughs> yeah. my dad did. Um and he was resistant because they did like uh, the the is it the buffalo frog? 
Uh-huh. Right. I, I don't know. They, they were doing some other psychedelics down there. My dad was pretty resistant to doing that because he was looking at those as drugs. He was like, hey, I'm yeah. here to get this medicine so I can cure myself. And it was bad. I mean, he, he witnessed a, a child being murdered by another service member, and they, they covered it up and shit, and he wanted to report it. And Yeah, I mean, it was it was some nasty fucking Vietnam shit, right? Yep. So he, he had a lot of healing he had to do for himself, too. Um, so anyways, my dad gets back, and he's like, He's like, man, I didn't go, I didn't, I didn't open myself up. I realized what I did wrong. I didn't, I was resistant and I was, I was fighting it. You know, I, I, you, you really do have to open yourself up and just accept that the lessons are going to come from whatever you learn. It's going to be scary and uncomfortable, but you just got to get through it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, um, I end up, um, the group that held the ceremony um, opened up their own center in Costa Rica. And so they, they sent out an invitation to us Okay. and said, Hey, you know, are you guys interested in being one of the first groups that goes through the ceremony and um, through, through our new, you know, they're going to pilot it out. You know, yeah. we're going to be some of the first groups to go through and try it out. And uh, the shaman was going to be the same shaman that over, oversaw my my dad's ceremony oh really right so so there's a check mark there you know are you yeah. gonna get some shady shaman well no i know this guy's legit he took care of my dad my dad loves this guy exactly. you know he said nice things about mm -hmm. him you know so so there's a check off um it wasn't in peru in some you know what my wife considers a third world country where there's no medical services this is no this is costa rica man they love american dollars down there they're gonna yeah, make sure you got good more hospitals, established as well yeah they have you know, an infrastructure and so forth right so going down the checklist here of here are all the things that my wife presented as arguments for not going to peru were being taken care of at this costa rica's place beautiful and uh, and it turns out that the this this location um, called solterra um, then one of the board of advisors is Dennis McKenna. Really? You know, and so, and so doing all this research, dude, all these little, little points kind of pointed towards Solterra for me. And, uh, so I reached out to it. I mean, it wasn't free. I mean, I had to pay for it, okay. you know, and, um, and, uh, I was going to go with my dad again because my dad said he wanted to go again. And my wife was resistant but at this point. I was basically like, well, go fuck yourself. I'm going to go do it anyways this time. You can't talk me out of it two times in a row. Um, cause I, number one, I took care of all those little things you were concerned about. I found a solution to those things. And, uh, and then about a month before we were leaving, my dad were leaving. She basically said, listen, um, if you're going to go do this, then I should be going down there, not your dad. Huh. And, um, okay. you know, and so she basically, my daddy got kicked to the curb. He got really, really butthurt over that because he was really looking forward to that trip too. But um, he did give up his, his spot so my wife could go. That's nice. Um, and it stuck too because my dad didn't get a refund. Um, so, you know, I paid my dad his portion of what he paid out of his pocket. And, you know, and then I had to pay for my wife. So basically I paid for three seats for the whole trip. Oh, gee. Um, you know, so, I mean, but I was like, whatever is fucking money, dude. If I'm in a casket, I don't get to spend it. So yeah, whatever. Makes sense. You know, and I've been saving up money for my disability compensation for this trip. So thanks VA and taxpayers. You paid for my trip down to Costa Rica. Oh yeah. That's what um, it's for. <laughs> it really is, man. Uh, That's what it's for. You need to fucking take care of you know. Yeah, it is. So my wife and I are just not in a good place with each other still. You know, she's, she's very overprotective. She's praying over me and all this stuff. And I'm not a religious person at all. I mean, 
with my fucked up childhood, I, I had a pretty angry outlook of an idea of a God that would allow that shit to happen to me. So that, that was a schism there that, that she knew how I felt about religion and stuff, even in high school, but she felt strong enough in her faith that she thought she might be able to someday be able to convert me, which she still hasn't been successful. And it's one of our biggest kind of argument things ever is that whole idea of faith. But yeah, regardless, I hear you, man. Um, um, so anyways, we get down there and she's, uh, um, very, very upset and everything. And we get through the ceremony. Um, you know, they, they go, Hey, for the new people, I've never done this before, which turns out is only me because everybody there has already done like 15 to 30 ceremonies. Jeez. And, and that totally ruined my, my argument to my wife that I only need one ceremony. Let me get through one ceremony. You know what I mean? She's and like, she's like oh, yeah, right. what the fuck? Yeah, 15, 30 ceremonies, these motherfuckers, right? <laughs> and they're still coming back. <laughs> yeah. so, so I'm like, I'm just throwing my eyes going, thanks, guys. This ain't helping me, you know? <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and so, uh, so anyways, we get my wife. She didn't go through the protocol. She didn't go through dieta. Um, she had been taking an antidepressant, an SSRI. And that's something that they are very strong against is not, and they, they did, they had medical professionals go through all our prescription drugs and everything to make mm-hmm. sure. And they told us when to stop taking this drug and everything else. And okay. And I told my wife, I go, why don't you just take your SSRI? So when you're down there, you at least have the choice. Yeah. But if you continue taking and that choice is taken away from you. Yeah. And she didn't listen to me. She continued to take it. So, we, you know, so we're going down there and, and we found out through, through the shaman that, that, um, you know, originally the Ayo was only used for the shaman. The shaman would drink the Ayo, and the Ayo would tell the shaman what song to sing to heal the person. The Icaros. What's what Icaros is doing, right? So he explained to my wife that, no, you still get to participate in the ceremony, and I'll sing a song for you. You don't have to drink the medicine. Okay. All right. You know, and so, that, so and, and then he's, the shaman's talking about God, about how God put these plants here. Yep. He, he put this plant, this, this leaf, and this vine, and he grew them in proximity of each other that, you know, through the shamans, they, and they all say the plants told them to how to make the mixture, you know, that's mm-hmm. the, what they always say, but, yep. you know, so, so it, it finally, at a point, finally kind of started chipping away at my wife and her belief system and, and how this is all working. And uh, so we get through the first ceremony, or we go to the first ceremony, um, and, uh, you know, and they got different size cups, you know, shot glass and different size shot glasses. And probably the, the largest size shot glass they had was about the equivalent of about five of the small shot glasses. Mm. And they told us for the new guys, they're only going to get half of a shot glass. And I said, well, fuck you. I want a full size. I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a big boy. Give me, give me a full shot, you know? Yeah. So he gives me the full shot, but I'm looking at that full shot. And I'm looking at that fucking cup and I'm going, you know, I really want that fucking thing. You know, yeah. but I kept my mouth shut and I took that first shot and man, there is something special about the shaman who can sing a very beautiful girl because there are certain vibrations that are emanating from that person that even without the eye of taking control, it was like changing my mood and my thought process Really, and, and, and it's very, very beautiful. And, you know, this first night, I had no idea what we were going to experience. And so just sitting there listening to that um, was, was just beautiful. 
And I ended up being the first person who, who purged. I puked, you know. I mean, we were all kind of laughing about who's going to be the, the pussy who's going to puke first, right? Da, 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 da. Yeah. That was me. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, so I, so I yacked. And um, my wife, she's sitting right next to me in, in her own little mat. And she's been crying and sobbing the whole time. I mean, the beautiful songs are just making her, her cry all by herself, all by That's, herself, you know. And, she didn't take the medicine, right? No, she didn't okay. take any medicine at okay. all. But she's she's still there present. She was present, yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, and so um, so it was a bit of a distraction having having to hear that and not be able mm-hmm. to focus on what I needed to focus on. But okay. I saw I, I guess you know as far as the visual hallucinations, it, the only comparison I can can say it what it looked like was about the equivalent of oil and water, and how they won't mix. And that yeah. was basically what my my vision kind of looked like that oil and water mix. Yeah, I mean it was pretty good stuff. Um, and then out of the um, the the shadows, I I could see just the barely hints of a jaguar. Um, oh, like the whiskers, the just the hintest line. I couldn't even really see any spots. It was like so pitch black in that maloka, but I could just barely see out this image of this jaguar. And um, the uh, you know, and, and so as far as hallucinations, that was that was about the, the, the scope of it. Um, and I, I end up on the second night of ceremony, I end up starting to uh, maintain a journal and I had, and since I didn't really uh, journal the, the first experience, I had kind of talked about the first experience um, in, in the second uh, night, but I kind of wrote up on it. Um, and like I, I, I put in my notes here is that, um, you know, I'm, I'm just opening up my heart and exposing my heart um, to the Aya. I wasn't going to allow myself to lock up and be frozen. I was literally visualizing a lock and key into my chest, to, to and it was unlocked, and I opened it up and just said, I, I give up. And um, so anyways, that, that was, you know, nothing really went really, really huge on that. Um, I, I did learn a lesson that night all by itself, though, in reflection. Mm-hmm. And and that was no matter how bad I wanted it, no no matter how hard I was crying for it, the fact that I just wanted it, Mother Aya wasn't going to give it. She the lesson I learned is that you don't have control over this. And 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 so that was kind of like my first lesson of that first night. The second night, I was like I'm taking the fucking dragon dose. I'm taking that big ass fucking cup. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of cocky about it, bragging, being braggart and shit about it with the other people and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I fucking took that big ass cup and the, the shaman, he laughed at me. He thought that fucking shit was hilarious. <laughs> and, and nobody there would even take that one. They were all taking just one, the single shots and everything. They couldn't believe that I took this big ass shot my second time ever. Um, deep. Yeah, I, I, you know, and, 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 I, and, I, and I was worried as soon as I took it, I was like, oh shit, I'm being cocky. Yeah, you know, I was like, I'm gonna get my ass kicked, right? Yeah, you know that feeling. Huh? <laughs> um, but this is the one I think I, I got a lot of healing from, from at least my navy trauma. Uh-huh. Um, because and, and I, I can't. It was weird. It was so many different things happened. I mean, start off, I was in this kind of like a a, a, a mosque, 
in Iran or something like that, but they okay. in, into the hallways of these arches and stuff, and the huh. blues and the yellows and reds were just so intense that they were vibrating music off of them. The colors had music and a sound to them, and it was it was it was just awesome. But then it shifted. Um, it shifted for um, I work with the veteran population in my life, and and uh, one of the vets he had. Uh, did a painting and his painting was while he was on watch one time a, a, a young person had come to their their checkpoint and the kid had a suicide vest and and it was going to come and blow up the checkpoint so he had to pull the trigger and shoot and kill this kid yeah right so i mean he's doing his job he's, he has no regret over it i mean dude's got ptsd over it because i mean he shot a kid but he knew that if he didn't do this i mean it was verified the kid had a bomb and everything yeah. you know but this was his, his, his painting and and in the vision I was in his in his position. I was feeling the heat of the desert. I could smell the oil of the gun. I could hear him screaming at this kid to stop. To stop, no, stop in every fucking language he could try and tell the kid to stop. The kid wouldn't stop. And then him shooting fucking pink spray. I mean, I was felt like I literally was there. No shit. And then, and then I had turned that shit onto a loop, oh, and it would just start over. Yeah. And over, and over. And I was getting frustrated. I was like, "Oh, what? this is not even my fucking story. Why am I getting this?" That's strange. You know. And uh, and it dawned on me that that I was calling this brother. You know, because as soon as I said, "I swear to you, when I get home, I'm gonna call this dude," the loop stopped. Oh, really? And it shifted to a new fucking story. And so it is. Afterwards, I called dude and told him about it. He's not interested in going, but I did my job and I, I promised I would tell him. So yeah. I did. Yeah. Well, you planted a seed, possibly. But, but what it did is it shifted me instead of being in his head, I was in the head of the guy who slapped me with the dick. Hmm. I was in his first person view of him coming to me. And, and, and I could hear his thoughts and I could feel his feelings and I could feel his fears. And in his fears and in his, his intimidation was that I was the biggest guy in the division. I mean, I was bench pressing over 300 pounds. I mean, and I'm, I'm a mean, angry, I got resting bitch face. I always look like I'm pissed <laughs> off, even when I'm not. People are always asking me, you all right? You know, yeah, I'm fucking cool. What's up? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was an intimidating figure in there and and in his and in his thoughts as I'm in this position, he's really trying to make a name for himself with all the other people in the division. Yeah. So this was this was a boy's bravado. That's that's kind of what came out for me is that this guy who did this shit to me is all about bravado for him. And uh and I mean I gotta see myself attack him from his perspective. And he was scared. And I mean, the rest of that deployment, I don't think he ever said two more words to me that whole fucking deployment. He left me the fuck alone. Huh. You know, and uh, and so Aya gave me that gift of, of allowing me to forgive this boy yeah. for the stupid act that he did. You know, and um, I got to tell you, since my experience, I was experiencing five to six nightmares a night of me floating in the ocean, me killing this guy, 
I had only had maybe three nightmares since. Wow. It's been almost two years. No shit. You know, in the nightmares I have, it hasn't been those fucking nightmares. But, you know, I, I catalog any nightmare. You know, mm-hmm. it was a nightmare for me, but three nightmares in almost two years when I was having five to six a week. That's pretty significant. So, so, so I feel like I truly have forgiven myself on this thing. That's good. I had, um, I, I also wrote my notebook here. Uh, I had also gone back to a fight I got into fifth grade. Um, what? You know, I was a big kid even then, and and this little fucker in the class, he just talked shit all the time, and he and he asked me to go go in a fight with him, like, come on, let's go fight, da, da, da. and I'm like, dude, I'm gonna fucking crush you. And he said, no, you won't. I'm gonna kick your ass. Da, da, da. So I met him in the fucking alley, and he's like, well, what's up, you know? And I mean, all right, I obligated him, and I fucking smocked him right in the fucking mouth, and he instantly fucking immediately ran off, and you know, and, and you know, because. He wasn't going to get his ass kicked just willingly. And uh, and uh, I had kind of told me that I had lost an opportunity to learn the lesson even then. And that was learning a lesson of how I could walk away from a fight I know I could win. Yeah. You know, and so, I don't know. There's just so many, like, lessons that, that really just kind of kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And so... um Anyways, the uh, that that one ended with um, I end up being like laying back on a field, and there was a dragon flying over the sky, and the dragon was so fucking huge, it was blocking out the sun. Jeez. But I could see the silhouette of the dragon flying over me, just kind of circling and hovering around me, and it uh, and it kind of did that repeated thing where I was like, man, it's taking fucking forever. What the fuck are you gonna do, dragon? You know, like I started yelling at it in, in my hallucination. You know. Yeah. Like, you know, come on, let's do it. What are you going to teach me? You know, let's learn this lesson, you know? <laughs> yeah. And um, the fucking dragon just totally tucked its wings and just fucking dive-bombed towards me. Jeez. And, uh, and I had, like, literally in the physical world was scrambling because I'm sitting down, and I'm all of a sudden scrambling trying to turn around and fucking leave. Like, I'm the fucking dragon's coming after my ass. <laughs> and... um and I mean, and it's straight up like fucking Looney Tunes, man. I'm just sitting there, just turning my feet are just spinning in one spot, and I'm not really moving anywhere. And uh, the dragon fucking ends up hitting me right at the base of my my spine. And as it's going like kind of through me, is roaring. It's like roar. Jeez. And and I'm like hugging the fucking puke bucket. And I'm just retching the loudest roar ever, like roar, like wrenching and like only a little fucking drop of spit comes out. It's like Bloop. and like afterwards after ceremony everyone's coming up to me and they're like dude what the fuck was that dude that was a roar man that sounded like a fucking dragon and I'm like it was a dragon dude it fucking went right through my body and into my head you didn't see that fucking dragon <laughs> man that's wild like, well, what, what was it I said I, I said I well I had taunted the dragon about what fucking lesson are you going to teach me and someone fucking said well what lesson did you learn and like instantly, all of this shit I'm holding on to in my life is so fucking massive, mm. so fucking huge in my life. And it only fucking accounts for a drop of the shit I can get rid oh, of. Oh, fuck. Yeah. You know, and so I'm like, 
so like lessons on this shit are so fucking abstract, dude. True, a hundred percent. You know, and 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 you, you, none of it's gonna make fucking sense. It ain't gonna make sense to anybody else. You're gonna fucking explain this shit to. Yeah, yeah. But if, you, if you really break this down, there's some lessons here that are gonna be taught here, and it'll open it up to you and help make some sense that only you are gonna understand. And it's gonna be not someone telling you what that meant. But you're understanding it to for yourself to the exactly. to yeah. the bare soul of your bone of what you know to be the truth about yourself. I agree. And that was just the second night, dude. You know, so third night, you know, I I fell in love with my wife again. Mm, that's nice. I mean, the, my intention for that third night, my 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 original intention for my third night was to try to get some kind of uh, a handle on my spiritual self, like, is there a God? Do I really want to believe in a God? Do I want to believe in a Jesus Christ? Do yeah. That was kind of like my written intent, but I changed my intent at the last moment and said, how can I better support my wife? It's beautiful. And, um, and be compassionate for my wife. And, and that was that night. And like I said, I fell in love with my wife again. Um, the fourth night, um, I'm sitting here going, just so many good things have happened for me um, that I, I just don't know, like, what, what do I ask for in this fourth night? I know, I know I've been down here. I, you know, these guys have been here 15, 30 fucking trips. I only get one more, one more question, one more sought answer, one more lesson out of this. And, and what was it I wanted? And, um, and I, I meditated on it really hard and I thought, since my molestation started at age of three, I literally have no memory of innocence. Damn. Because I can't think of a memory before I was three. You know? So I'm like going, there's literally not one single memory in the collective data bank in my brain that can ever remember of an innocent child that's never been exposed, never harmed, or anything. And so... That's what I thought when I took the medicine. I immediately started in my head cataloging every horrific incident, stuff that I would never allow myself just to even think about. Um, but really detail what happened in those experiences allowed myself just to pure, full disgust um, that this happened to this innocent child. Um, and this is all before that the, I had even taken control. And, um, and I just kept going, you know, I know I won't allow me to kind of force which way I want this to go, but this is really what I want. I don't have any memory of anything ever being innocent. And, um, at one point, um, I'm, the Jaguar shows up again. And, um, this time it's kind of purring and like, kind of like crawling to me. Not like a cat on all its fours, but it's literally kind of on its belly, just kind of scooching up to me, kind of like a kitten would do or a cat would do. And um, and it ends up getting up onto my chest, and its paws are on my chest, and it starts kneading my chest with its paws like a cat would knead. And, um, and I'm just, it's looking into my eyes. I'm not feeling any fear at all. And I just said, please, will you share a moment for me when I was innocent? 
and instantly the jaguar's claws retract out of her claws and she starts tearing into my flesh and my chest um i see blood everywhere i don't feel any pain and i'm not in shock or fear i was total acceptance as she was ripping through my chest and the rib bones are breaking and separating and Jeez. exposing my heart my beating heart and like instantly I see this image of my mother holding me as a baby right after birth and just pure love for that child pure acceptance pure worry about how am I going to take care of this child I mean my mom was a young mother and and she didn't know what the fuck she was doing, you know, and, and she, and I love my mom so much, but I mean, I really felt like I got a gift here of actually seeing innocence, my innocence. I got to see that baby and I got to see the love that was being doled onto that baby. And that really just kind of filled that part up for me, you know, that even afterwards, after all this, I shared it with my mom and and she doesn't understand how any of this stuff even applies. She's just like, yeah, you went on a psychedelic trip. But I got to tell you, when I shared that part with her, she, you know, she couldn't stop crying really? over it. You know, my mom accepts so much blame for what happened to me. But, you know, that wasn't necessarily her fault. You know, it's mm-hmm. just she's a mom raising two kids by herself, having to work three different jobs. I mean, she leaves the kids alone. You know what I mean? And yeah. those are the fucking things the predators look out for. You know, so anyways, uh, that, that was the, that, that was the end of that, you know, that kind of ceremony there. Um, well, it, it kind of went a little bit deeper after I got that kind of gift. Um, I kind of got, uh, uh, like a free pass in, in the DMT universe. Yeah. Um, I walked out or a sensation of walking out of what I thought was a cave but end up being the mouth of like an anaconda snake, a huge fucking snake that I could just walk out full six foot two and walk out of it, its mouth. Jeez. And into this foreign alien universe, it looked like a, a landscape. There was no buildings or anything like it, it was just pitch black in, the, in what was the woods for that universe or whatever. And I sat down in the grass and the grass had this bioluminescence effect. Like if I just rub, rub my hands through the grass, like the tips yeah. of the grass would glow. And um, there was this beautiful lake and the lake was perfectly, water was perfectly stilled off a perfect mirror image of the cosmos above. And the cosmos above was, you know, different universes that, I didn't recognize different constellations. I didn't recognize it was a different, different alien sky. And, um, and at some point while in that, I kind of like had a hallucination within the hallucination in that I saw like a supernova star burst over. It was like the big bang starting. I saw all these, these, um, elements of all kinds just blast out in every direction possible. And, the 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 vision allowed me to follow two of these elements and through you know billions of years of traveling through space and eventually collecting gravity and it it started forming a a a substance and it grew and all of a sudden it's a it's a blue green planet and those molecules are still kind of reforming uh sometimes they're turning into a plant sometimes they're turning into an animal and i'm watching these 
these elements die and reborn and re-earth into a new form and sometimes it's an advanced form sometimes it's just a slime it just constantly recycling recycling through millennia millennia in time to eventually that those two elements form into these two humans myself and my wife and how the elements came together and met each other again mm. and that's kind of when the ceremony ended is mother Aya giving me this vision of these two random elements are still being connected to each other through all this time over and over and over again. Um, so, you know, take that as you will, but um, my wife and I are deeply, madly in love with each other. That's beautiful, man. We, we, we hug each other and really look deep into each other's highs. I mean, of course, we've had some fights and arguments and stuff, but yeah. man, we make up by just, just hugging and loving each other and, and sharing a true spirit that this is my partner for life and I don't ever want to lose her, you know. Um, That's good to have. Anyways, so we're almost two years later from the ceremonies. Like I said, the nightmares, they're non-existent. I still have intrusive thoughts all the time. Yeah. Um, that, that, that It's almost like a default mode network. Is it weird patterns that are created in life. It reminds your brain, that reptilian part of your brain is going to remind you where danger things yeah. are, are going to be, where you've experienced them before. So yeah. I can't help with those things, but it doesn't make me feel disgusted. I don't feel like literally puking from these fucking memories. Do you think you know, that... Do you think that when your brain does that, it's almost kind of like, uh, like I'm trying to relate this, you know, with some of the things that I've experienced. Um, like uh, it's almost like something you live with now, but it's not something that's um, haunting you. It's more so just kind of seeing that, you know, um, I mean, for me, it's almost like there's a purpose for it and it may just be. So if anything ever does happen like this again, you know, it's another opportunity to, you know, analyze the situation or treat it differently than you did the first time going in, you know, like a muscle memory type thing. Right. Right. And that, that's kind of what that default mode network does. It's just, you've figured out the patterns in life mm -hmm. and it's going to tell you, well, this is what you need to do. If this person cuts you off, you're driving down the road and you're worried about this dude cutting you off. Your fucking default mode network's telling you this dude could cut you off. Are you ready for that shit? You know, I mean, those are those kind of muscle memory kind of reactions to, to things. And I see vets do that. I mean, I've been in a vet in a car with a vet who was driving and a piece of garbage flew across the road and he fucking took us off road yeah. because that was a roadside bomb to him, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it, there is no kind of processing this information. It's total reactive. Well, I mean, like in terms of, um, for example, I, I was in combat and I had been in firefights. I had taken lives, you know, the whole story. And now being uh, in the position that I am, um, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm 100% healed or anything, but I, I'm kind of like in the, in the same um, stage that you're in where, you know, you did finally find some type of medicine that helped you. And although you're not completely over it, you know, you don't allow it to control you, but it's still there. And it's still there in terms of, for me, is like, I know that I can't completely let my guard down 100% because there are bad people out there and there are people that will rob you. There are people that will kill you. And I just need to know when and where, you know, to be able to pull that part of me out of me. So, you know, if shit hits the fan, you know, I'm not standing there and, you know, frozen up or, you know, completely losing my shit, you know, like I'm almost kind of, 
just calm and analyzing the situation. And then, you know, I know that I, I have to do what I have to do. You know what I mean? So that there's still a place in it for me in terms of the violence and the action, you know, the speed of action and so forth. Right. There's still cons that exist in the world. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speak with the left, get ready with the right, huh? Yep. You know, so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I came back a little bit, like I wanted to get to the top of the mountains and scream about this experience, yeah. you know, but some of the people I did, you know, share it with, like, one fucking dude literally fell asleep while I was fucking telling the story. You know what I mean? There's, so there's, there's going to be some people that, that you're never going to be able to reach and you're never going to be able to explain this to. And you know what? That, that's fine. I'm not going to waste my energy on those yeah. people. No. You know, and and even though I was really eager to, to scream at the top of the mountains, what happened to me, especially to some other vets that are struggling. Yeah. You know, like on, oh my God, you look at what kind of fucking relief. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be scary as shit. This, yeah, you're right. This is the toughest psychedelic there is known. Yeah, yeah you're going to get your ass kicked, but well, you, you need that. Uh, it's not just the psychedelic. It's just the, the, the action of facing, you know, yourself, you know, head on. Like, whatever it is that we do that keeps us so goddamn busy after something like that, like, you know how we, we talked in the beginning, there's something about it that we don't want to face. And it depends on what psychedelic or what medicine or whatever treatment you use it fucking sucks going through it. So, you know, right. we, we just, we, we turn away from it. We don't. And, and when the, the moment it comes that we actually face it, it's fucking, it is scary. It is hard. It's fucking ridiculous. And it may not look exactly mm -hmm. like what you think, but the feeling right. is there. It's fucking terrorizing. Yeah. I mean, but I, I do throw caution to win because it isn't a cure-all. I mean, one of the guys that was at the ceremony, he was a recovering addict, and this was, he'd been through ceremony before, and um, the addictions he had kicked, he never went back to. He just discovered new addictions. And so he was coming back to break these new addictions. And, uh, you know, and, you know, he went through ceremony, loved the guy. He was very absolute, wonderful, bright spirit in his life. But, you know, not two months after ceremony, he committed suicide, you know, so... You know, I don't want to like throw out there to somebody who's desperate for looking for something. This might not be what fixes sure. what what ails you. Yeah. You know, but I, I feel like that there are some lessons that can be learned here. And yeah. and even though I went to this one ceremony, I, I want to go to again. You know, my, my wife was actually right, rolling her eyes at me, thinking that I was only going to do one ceremony, right? So, you know, th there are more lessons I feel like I can learn here. Yeah. Now that I've broken down the, these outside layers of the, this onion that, I'm, that I exist in, but an onion doesn't ever have a core, man. It just continues layers, you know. So how, how deep do you want to break into these layers and stuff to necessarily explore yourself and your consciousness? But I think that with these gifts I've got, I, I've got a glimpse of what else might be offered out of these lessons. And, and I'm yeah. curious to see what, what might exist. And there's something to say about ceremony too, instead of, you know, just being in a room with your friends and just yeah. passing a pipe, sure. you know what I mean? There, there's something very special about the ceremony and the, the singing of the Icaros, you know, they, they were absolutely beautiful. I mean, they're still ringing in my head, um, you know, so I've, I've never smoked DMT from a pipe, you know, I've never smoked the chemical, you know, the, 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 the element, you know, of DMT, Yeah. you know, so I'm curious, I mean, I would totally be down to do it, but. And I know it's going to blast me off to zero to a hundred, like instantly. Oh, yeah. I get that, you know, but 
I'm, I'm not sure if that person is going to get the lessons they could have gotten over a four-hour ceremony with the shaman who's singing Icarus. And you know, I, what I think that you technically is a song to help you guide you to healing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. and I and I think that you have a, a really good and, and a valid point there when it comes to using psychedelics as healing, mainly DMT. Um, to be honest with you, in full disclosure, I've never experienced ayahuasca i have experienced the molecule and to be honest with you i've experienced other psychedelics but the one thing that's always missing is the guidance especially when you're doing healing like for me you know i i had a few high dose of psilocybin the molecule and a few other psychedelics but i've got to the point where i'm like i need to find somebody to help me or some kind of therapy that i can do in between and, and you know there is you, you do kind of need some guidance especially when you're using it for healing i, I agree i agree and it makes sense yeah well and what, what you know the multiplanary association of psychedelic studies maps yep i mean they've got you know they're in phase three study with mdma mm-hmm. um I, I believe in phase two with psilocybin they've got an i uh they got a cannabis. I mean, they, they've got a lot of different entheogens that they're studying. Yep. Um, I don't necessarily call consider MDMA to be an entheogen, but I, I do see that there there is some healing properties to it. Yes. And I've never experienced that drug. Yeah. And, and here's the frustrating part: is here I am a vet. Clearly, I mean, I don't think many people can fucking argue that that what happened to me wouldn't fuck up anybody, sure. right? The, yeah. the, the, anyone who experienced this would probably have some long-term issues for sure. unresolved right yeah people kill and themselves there's no access there's no i had to leave the fucking country exactly yeah you know and and and, and they're saying this mdma treatment maybe just two or three sessions and they don't even meet the definition of having ptsd anymore yep now now i gotta tell you you know the va the U.S. taxpayer is putting over three thousand dollars a month into my fucking pocket. Yeah. Every single fucking month. I guarantee you that three thousand dollars would cover those three sessions. Oh yeah. And I would no longer meet that eligibility, and the taxpayer wouldn't have to pay me that fucking money anymore. Yeah. And, and I know that's blasphemy for a fucking bet to say that, but I'm no, also a taxpayer, no. and I got integrity of serving my country. That I'm not doing this for a fucking free handout this shit fucking happened to me and it sucked and it really affected my life. And I'd rather not have experienced it at all, you know, but if the taxpayer is going to be pissed off at a vet that's sucking this money out of a taxpayer's pocket, guess what? You better be writing to your fucking representative and saying, why aren't we letting these vets try these other medications? Cause it might help and they might not need this shit anymore. Yeah. That, the thing about that though, federal is such a huge machine, right? I mean, look at all these states that are, you know, just even with the medical marijuana and like these movements in uh, Oakland, Denver and all that. Um, it's, it's off the state. Yeah, go to Washington state guys, get that shit going. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, let, let me, um, I, I just want to go over a few things. You, this, so damn man, dude, first of all, thank you for sharing that, man. I'm, I'm sure that, um, kind of maybe brought up stirred up a few memories man i know i know exactly what that's mm-hmm. like in terms of speaking about the past you know i don't really do it so much myself but you know it's there and and i applaud you well i mean part, part of my coping mechanism is being able to dissociate yes so i don't yes. really right that happens to a lot of vets but we can tell a story and not be emotionally tied into it exactly. yeah you know i 
I know how to trigger that shit on and turn that on and, and yeah. separate myself. So I'm not sitting here blubbering, crying over it while trying to share <laughs> Listen, it. Listen, you know. Yeah, I hear you. And I, to be honest with you, I, I'm almost there, but uh, not quite. But it was better in the than the beginning. The beginning, I, I I would just right away get so emotional. I just wouldn't be like like well, earlier. You were, like you were talking about earlier, how um you you thought about PTSD and about how even for you somebody who had this vision of what PTSD was and you were almost kind of denying yourself it, you know, the, the fact that PTSD can happen no matter your sex, race, or your religion, it doesn't matter if something is traumatic yeah. to you and it mm-hmm. causes you. Yeah. Like you have that, you know, and I've came across a few people that were like that too. And me being a combat veteran and that stereotypical type PTSD person with PTSD I always remember to tell people like, no, nah, man, if it was traumatic for you, who the fuck am I to say, you know, that, that it's not PTSD or whatever it is that, you know, you want to call it. Um, I think that's a really important to, thing to point out a hundred percent. Thank um, you, man. Um, for the, um, the, the uh, experience, your experience at the VA, like, um, you know, a lot of the things that you're saying in the story, man, I, I, can relate to uh, to a lot of these points that, that you know i'm sure they're best right here they're going that resonated with yes. me too right yes and and this is why and I, I am so thankful to be having this conversation with you and and thank you for for keep keeping on i know in the beginning you know we had a little bit of a setback there and then but you know we're here um the one thing about the experience with the va you know i've i ran the gamut with the va as well you know there was some treatments i just completely walked out of like that what is it called the ex- exposure therapy whatever oh uh, yeah prolonged exposure exactly that shit that's just fucking nasty you yeah you get down wrong and just keep fucking telling your story yeah. over and over and over and over again like like all of a sudden you're gonna be numb from it and you well, ain't gonna bother you no more let me tell you this i had just gotten back from a deployment being overseas and went to the va here when i got home and um, that was the first thing they suggested to me. And I walked in there and I was like, what fuck? No, I'm not ready to talk about this shit and walked out of there. But I've been in, in you know, PTSD clinics, um, uh, other, other forms of, of therapy as well. And to be honest with you, even till this day, um, there's a love hate relationship with the VA for me in general. And, and I'm not like most veterans that I've came across myself that completely despises the VA because I've met some pretty good fucking people there that the only reason that, you know, they can't, you know, push things forward is because of red tape. It's a big machine, the government, right? Federal. Right. But a lot of good people within the VA. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All my medicals through the VA still. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the thing is, is there, there's some people there who are also vets and they give back. And when you come across them, I swear to God, they're like fucking angels. They're angels, man. I've met a few yeah, people yeah. there. But you also um, brought up the fact of like the the veterans outreach um, organizations. Like for me, where I live at, they have the uh, vet center. And I know they have those across the country, I believe. I'm not sure. But, you know, yeah. a lot of those people there, um, you know, a lot of them are veterans themselves, including the people at the front. Yeah, did, did you ever hear how the vet centers got started? No, I didn't. It got, no. started, it got, it got started by the Vietnam vet generation. Oh, so shit. What? as those Vietnam vets were getting out, you know, just like Rambo, you know, nobody was giving them a chance. They, they were discriminatory against the Vietnam. You know, you're, you're a child killer, right? Pig's blood being thrown on the service yeah. members as they're leaving, leaving, you know, base and shit. Yeah. That was that, that time. And, 
and those those service members that separated and still had their GI Bill and actually used to go to school were going, you know what, I got to become a therapist to take care of these other brothers because there ain't nobody in the world that's going to understand what they went through. No, and so I... these vet centers got created where these vets, that Vietnam vets, got their license in mental health. They became therapists so they could just provide counseling to the other Vietnam vets. That's fucking awesome. And then the vet center has grown to most of the therapists inside a vet center is a combat veteran. Yep. So yep. they're continuing to provide combat therapy, transit, you know, you know, they got all kinds of different special names for what they do, but they're serving those combat vets. So the vet center is not something that's available for just any veteran. And you got to have a, you know, a combat badge or a, yeah. a, a deployment ribbon or something. They're, they're pretty selective in who can receive that service. Yeah. Yeah. But I got to tell you, they, they were the first step in, in my healing of actually someone giving me the strength to be able to talk through this shit. Yeah. Even though I didn't think it was very helpful for me, I learned a lot of good lessons in how to deal with this. And I tell you, had I been at that point at the very beginning and instantly put into a maloka with the shaman and some ayahuasca, I don't know if I'd necessarily would experience the healing that I experienced later in life. Yeah. Because I did receive those lessons, you know. Even though I wasn't happy about prolonged exposure or any of those other modalities and stuff like that, I mean, I learned some fucking lessons about, you know, how to how to think deeply within yourself and not allowing distractions get in your way. And yeah. I mean, th there's a lot of good lessons I got out of that. So I mean, I still highly encourage other veterans to to go reach out to a vet center if you're dealing with some combat trauma. For sure, a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, and they do some cool shit. Like they they're doing sweat lodges and stuff. I yeah. Mean, yeah. You know, I've... talk about a, a a culture that that knows how to participate in a ceremony. And and respect and love the the tribal warrior. You know they yep. they actually they hold warriors in a whole different kind of realm than exactly what does white folk do. You know and and to be able to be given the gift of an invitation to be able to participate in a ceremony like that was such an honor. And I've done several since then, and every time I feel absolutely awesome after the obsession so that's beautiful. I mean, those are some things that I got engaged with these vet centers and stuff. So it was, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, you know, I, I've, I, to be honest for me, I, I kind of out of sense though right now. Um, I, I was going to the vet center and, um, you know, a bunch of shit happened where I kind of just went on my own and isolated myself and, you know, got to this point here, but I'm, you know, even just listening to your talk, <clears throat> it's kind of giving me the, you know, it's inspiring me to be like, okay, then, you know, go, just go do it. Just go try it out. Especially with what I've learned so far with psychedelics. But um, one thing I, wa I did want to bring up as well was um, the importance of, you know, a significant other or your family in your life and them also being on board with you and on the same page. Because one thing I forgot for me in the very beginning was that, you know, when all said and done, you know, they're my support system. They're the people I come home to and, they're the people I should be able to be open with and, and talk to. And if, you know, they're not on the same page and I'm over here researching this stuff. And I mean, same thing that happened to you was <laughs> kind of the same thing with me. You know, I got to a point where my wife was like, you need to fucking do something about the way you are because I will fucking leave you or you're fucking shit up. Right. And um, right. that's what started it for me. And once I got towards psychedelics and I started doing a lot of the researching and, and, you know, listening to talks and so forth, you know, I brought her in on it, you know, and I, and I told her straight up, I was like, look, I'm going to stop taking my medication and uh, I'm going to, you know, get my medical marijuana card. 
Um, and then I'm going to start learning about these psychedelics. And uh, it's very important to have those people that are in your life on a daily basis to be on the same page as you. You know what I mean? It's, it's, they're your support system. That's who's going to be there at the end when you're by yourself and trying to reintegrate these lessons that you're learning, you know, through these medicines. So that's a very important. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm really envious of you. I mean, it's stuff I'm seeing on DMT world, people being able to just kind of be alchemists all by themselves and, and create these things. <laughs> just, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm they're like, magic, man. I never it took fucking high school chemistry. You know what I mean? I yeah. feel like I'm so behind the curve. <laughs> yeah, there's some fucking interesting people on there, man. I fucking love, I love DMT world down there. That place is, is a beautiful place. And obviously like anywhere else, it's going to be all in your perspective, right? And you can, you know, yeah. waste your energy on the people you don't like, or you can spend your energy on the people that you um, that you like. Like I said earlier, there, there's still a lot of cunts in the world. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but no, um, no matter what. Um, the one thing also, um, the one thing that you know, like you said earlier as well, towards the end about how it's not a heal all. You know, it may not work for you, but. Um, the the thing about like these medicines that like when they they prescribe you those medications and i went through the same thing myself you know i went through the different treatments and then i went through the medication i did that for roughly a few years i can't remember whether it was three or four but it was roughly about four years and um it, it brings up the question of you know our our preparedness or readiness when it comes to mental health especially with um, you know, veterans coming back. And I think that also rings with, you know, having people like, like that person that was seeing you at the VA where you're like, who the, f you don't even know what the fuck I, I'm going through. You don't even know what I've been through. You know, I think those things are things to, for, for people to, to kind of pay attention to as well, because, um, and also for us as veterans to choose who to go to and who to speak to, or even which medicine to take. Because um, right. it's our bodies, we we should be able to choose what we're putting into our body. Yeah, and and also um, just kind of in general, like what the fuck are we doing? Like, uh, look, man, I'm not saying somebody can fix this with the snap of their fingers, but when I see and I hear the same fucking story over and over again, it's almost like they're just fucking throwing pills at you to see what sticks, you know? And then be like, okay, now we're, now we're gonna. They're going to start at the very fucking bottom, the cheapest pill possible, and they got to find out if that shit doesn't work before they can move on to the next pill. And, and some of them things have side effects like yours. That's fucking yeah. That's like, what? I've, I remember yeah. being prescribed a certain medication, and, and I had a really bad side effect like that, like what you're talking about. And I stopped taking it immediately. Like within two weeks, my whole mind state just changed. And I remember going back in and meeting another uh, psychologist, I think it was, at the VA. And even the person mm -hmm. who I saw next, it was more experienced. And, and that doctor was like, why the fuck would they give you this? You know, like this is known to, to have yeah. bad side effects, you know, shit like that really sours everybody up when it comes to, you know, taking medication and, 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 you know, choosing your healthcare provider hundred percent. But I think also that can be related to psychedelics as well, you know, and and it also hits home to you know what you're saying about the guidance part, right? Especially people that are coming in for to use it for healing, you know. Do your research, you know. Talk to people who know these other people or who have been to these centers or have dealt with these, you know, guides or whatever you want to call them, and um, make sure you know as much as you can before you go in there, you know. And I mean, I follow the rules. I mean, to the T. They talk about a diet. I mean, 
dude, I haven't gone one fucking day without smoking cannabis since 2005. Beautiful. And I shit went dry for 90 days before that thing. I was no cannabis in my system really? at all when I went down to Costa Rica. I mean, I was, I followed everything, That's no good. pork in my life. I mean, I, I followed all of that stuff. And I mean, I was like, if I'm going to go through this trouble with my wife, I'm going to go through this trouble <laughs> spending all this money and stuff. You know, I ain't going to do this half-assed. Yeah. You know, they want me to do this. They, you know, start twinkling on my tippy toes. I'll do it. You know, whatever you guys want me to do. <laughs> whatever I, it takes. Yeah. I, I don't want to come away saying it didn't work because I didn't mm. follow the fucking directions. Yes, yes, yes. That's you know, and, um, and so, you know, there were some people there that, I mean, one dude had fucking snorted a line in the um in the in the cab on the way to the fucking Maloka and shit, and he was bragging about it, laughing about it. Not me, you know. Yeah. I mean, I I, I got off all those things, and you know what's also cool? Um, I didn't mention my wife. Um, she stopped taking her SSRIs. Um, oh, really? Immediately after we we got back, she just like, and, and you know, and I believe that she's one of those people that actually benefit from SSRIs. Okay. Huh. You, you know, but she yeah. still stopped taking them because um, she said that she wanted to explore more about plant medicines and what what's yeah. available to her in her own country yeah. that she can she can start doing. It gave her a new focus and a new uh -huh. perspective, and and she's a an anthropology student right now, and and she's cool. continuing to write anthropology studies on plant medicines all because of this this instance. You know, this was not even in her universe whatsoever. And now that it's there, she's totally into it. And if we ever get a chance, she's totally going to do ceremony for real this oh, time. Really? But <laughs> yeah, she's totally down. She's like, I'm ready for this now. Um, yeah. It's causing problems with our family and stuff because, you know, I, I said that they're religious. So they, yeah. they, you know, there was this hard period where they, you know, were saying I was worshiping a false idol and I'm letting the devil into our life. And, and yep. it, it got really fucking really dark where I was all of a sudden the demon and, you know, and stuff. And I'm like, fuck, you guys didn't have a problem with me when I was fucking crazy about to break this family apart. But now that I'm, I'm better. Or fucking <laughs> drinking like, my ass off or doing all this other. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, and I'm like, you know, so, you know, it, it, there's not a lot of support for those people in your family that, that are not going to be into this thing. And, and that's, that's going to be reality. And it's going to be a difficult pull. And right now it's a difficult pull for my wife because that's her, her mom and dad. Yeah. To be breaking away from what they're saying that she's going to be committing to sin by doing this stuff. But she knows it's not a sin. This is a plant that God put on this planet, you know? Yeah. And so it, it, it's hard for some people to, to be able to, to separate that belief system. I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. It's almost, um, you know, the one thing about psychedelics that has, is, you know, it, it will completely uproot your belief system if you have one at that moment in time when you first, you know, have your first meaningful experience. But it also kind of keeps you on your toes to remind you that, you know, for me personally to have an open mind because at any moment, anything that I think or believe can be uprooted again, you know, and I have to just take it, you know, one day at a time, one instance at a time and so forth. And, uh, you know, truly be humble, you know. And grateful. Exactly. You know, another thing, um, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying the gratefulness is just something that's been resonating with me these last two years. It's just how yeah. grateful I've got this life I've got. I'm grateful I've got this beautiful moon I'm looking at right now as I'm yeah, talking to you. You know, there's out there. That thing is beautiful. You know, man. 
Oh, it's just that's just been the thing that's resonating with me, and it's worked. I mean, I've gotten a a new job. I got a huge advancement. That's you know, I mean, I never would have had the confidence in my ability to to put myself in a position like this in this new job and stuff. And and here we are in the middle of COVID and stuff, and shit's going fucking sideways for everybody in the world. And I'm like, you know, I'm sorry that this is all happening. I know that there's healthcare workers out there on the front lines. I'm not happy. There's people that are losing family members. There's a lot of sadness and hurt that's going on right now through all this stuff. But I got to tell you, you know, we, we live and we die. This, this, those elements are going to continue to recycle, you know, whether now or 20 years from now. And, um, you know, uh, a lesson I learned from Ram Dass is that death is like taking off a tight shoe, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're, we're bursting. I mean, we're uncomfortable in this life. Yeah. And when we do pass on to that next one, we don't know what that next phase is going to be, but I'm pretty confident that those molecules are going to continue to recycle into the earth's core and it's going to recycle itself into food. It's going to recycle itself into something else. And I'm not saying I'm into this whole, you know, reincarnation idea and stuff, but it, the scientific process is there, man. We are going to rot and we're going to turn back into basic elements. Yeah. And something else is going to survive off of our, our death. For and, sure. You know, and it's just been almost a relief of a loss of fear of death. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about this uh, the last time you and I spoke, right? About how, I mean, I, yeah, I remember for me, I had a session <clears throat> about two weeks ago where I think for like about maybe an hour or two, I was stuck in my head and I was literally talking to myself and I could hear myself in my head. And it was about accepting the, the the fact of the matter that no matter what we do, no matter what we try, no matter who we are, that there's going to be an end to, to us for our experience. And I had to, you know, get to the point where to, to just accept it, not be afraid of it and, 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 you know, think about it all the time, but just to accept it, to truly accept it and, and, and then start, seeing the things that you know you can change or you know how are you going to decide to expand this experience you know i think it kind of gives people or at least myself a little bit of freedom to change my story you know and just say fuck that i'm not gonna go out i mean i'm gonna die anyways i'm I'm not gonna be afraid of it i'm gonna live my life the way that i wanted to you know with with what i have right um i think that's a good point man especially in these times right now um like because loss, you know, loss is, is something that, you know, it really hits us pretty deep. And yeah, easier said than done for sure. You know, for me, I've had I've had quite a few times to practice that. So a little bit different coming, you know, for me, but and, and people like me. But um, that's there's some there's a, a big lesson there. And I think that's uh, one of the most important lessons when it comes to um, this experience. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you giving me the, the platform to share some of my story and, Dude, and I appreciate you allowing me to remain anonymous and no one knows really who I am. But, um, you know, I, I just really want to share that story to, to one for someone who absolutely knew nothing about any of this stuff for and sure, all of a sudden man. went deep. Right. And <laughs> the, the, I feel yeah. like some positive results have have you know are are in the present right now i'm I'm in a much better place now i've loved my life i've loved myself as a person i've forgiven myself of so many different things and it's been, i mean those experiences were there they're they're never going to go away you know that it doesn't wash that slate clean 
Yeah. But I tell you what, I'm glad that I'm here and I'm I'm glad that I'm still here and I'm looking forward to what tomorrow's gonna be like. Yes, I know the feeling, man, and, and I am so happy for you, man. And to be honest, I not only do I applaud you, but I, I'm I am very grateful, you know, not only for your time, but for also for you to be able to share your story. You know, this is one of the main reasons why I started these things is to, you know, get to know other people and, and <clears throat> hear their stories. And, and kind of for me, for myself, uh, one thing that, that I want from it is to kind of either gain the knowledge or the courage to continue my journey. And the other the other uh, point is for people that are listening to maybe find some type of inspiration or encouragement <clears throat> to also do the same. You know, if you're hurting or if you're thinking about getting into psychedelics or even just thinking about getting, you know, starting the journey and, and becoming a better version or healing yourself with anything, you know, I hope that these talks and, and your talk as well, I'm sure. Um, will will touch somebody and you know I think that's truly spreading the love right there you know because you you receive that love yourself and you know that it's there and you know to spread it is like the only thing there is to do when, when you get something like that you know and, and I really do man. Yeah, man thank you so much thank you so so much God. for coming on here man you're very very welcome and and um, I, I hope it's something valuable for someone else to be able to take something I'm sure, from it. I'm sure it will be, man. Listen, uh, before we we finish here, is there anything that you would like to say to anybody listening or or just in general? Um, look up that Hero Heroes project, man. If if you want to throw a dime their way, I mean, I, I I definitely appreciate it because they blew through a lot of money for for me backing out the last second. Mm. So if you found my story to be helpful or something like that and you have a way to pay it forward that's an organization i'd, I'd like you to consider awesome yeah definitely i agree 100 percent. well man thanks for coming on again man and i, I hope to god that uh we can do this again sometime down the road or, or you know or, or whatnot yeah alex man it was, it was good hanging with you man good times all right man i appreciate you all right, brother. Well, I'll connect. I'll connect with you again offline, dude.